Hi everyone, welcome back to the History in 20 podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I thought it's just a bit of a shorter one today because it's a bit thematic and appropriate, I suppose. So today's episode is on the gunpowder plot from the 5th of November 1605. So quick overview about it. It was obviously on 5th of November 1605 and it was at the Houses of Parliament in London, England. And the reason behind it was... Well, there was religious differences for a start as the plotters were Catholics and the king and his government and parliament were Protestants. So these sort of wounds that are still going on from the Elizabethan Reformation are still hurting in the early 17th century here. And it was an assassination attempt against King James I of England. Now the participants, I will list them in full later on, but the main ones we sort of need to know about, uh, there's a man called Robert Catesby, Guy Fawkes, of course, and Francis Tresham, amongst others. But like I said, I'll name the others in a bit and the outcome was obviously a failure for the plotters and the plotters were executed which we'll go into the uh, grisly details in a bit. So the events lead into the gunpowder plot so why why did it kick off? So excuse me the gunpowder plot which is also known as Guy Fawkes Night or simply Bonfire Night 5th of November whatever you like to call it fireworks night even it was an English Catholic plot against King James the first who reigned uh, from 1603 to 25. Now you might hear him called King James the first of England and sixth of Scotland because he was both. He was the Stuart successor, he was the first Stuart king, set up the Stuart dynasty in England. So he reigned from 1603 to 25 in England, although he did reign before that in Scotland, but that's all we're concerned about at the minute is his reign in England. Now he was a Protestant, as I mentioned earlier, and he descended the English throne in place of Queen Elizabeth I, who'd reigned from 1558 to 1603, and she was also a Protestant. Now, his persecution of Catholics was arguably stronger than Elizabeth's was, which sparked the need for drastic action in the minds of the plotters. So, the historian Ronald Hutton argues that English Catholics initially had high hopes that James I would end the Elizabethan persecution of them, and he'd actually encouraged these ideas initially to win further support for his accession, as first Stuart monarch. Like, you've already got a Scottish king who's become an English king, so he wants as much support as he can get. Um, But he soon reverted to the Elizabethan-style persecution of Catholics because, and in quote marks, the weight of English public opinion had become so hostile to Catholics and the fines levied on them were so lucrative. So as a result, those who were actually the Catholic radicals tried to blow him and his entire parliament up. So that was their response to his persecution. They wanted him blown up. Now, who were the plotters? So as I mentioned earlier, they were led by a Catholic man called Robert Catesby. Now, why did he decide to do this? Well, his father had been persecuted in Elizabeth I's reign for refusing to conform to the Church of England. So his father had been persecuted. He'd grown up seeing what this persecution meant. And so he was radicalised from this. Now, in total, the plotters numbered 13, which absolutely was an unlucky number for all of them in the end. So the reason I mentioned the three in the summary above is because arguably they're the three most significant of those 13. So even so, I'll name the 13, and they are Thomas Bates, Robert Catesby, Sir Everard Digby, Guy Fawkes, John Grant, Robert Keyes, Thomas Percy, Ambrose Rookwood, Francis Tresham, Robert and Thomas Wintour, and John and Christopher Wright. Now, in the picture above, there's eight of them. And missing out of those eight are Digby, Grant, Keyes, Rockwood, Rookwood and Tresham. So you get an idea of the numbers there were there. Now, Catesby and some of the other plotters actually put some money together in the months before this. 
to rent a cellar which was directly underneath the House of Lords building. And over the course of these few weeks, they transported a total of 36 barrels of gunpowder on little boats and barges across the River Thames to store in the cellar. Now, Guy Fawkes was put in charge of the explosives because he'd had 10 years' experience in the military because he'd fought for the Catholic Spanish in the Protestant Netherlands during the Dutch Revolt, which lasted from 1566 to 48, but Fawkes only fought for 10 of those years and obviously before 1605. <coughs> However, we move on to the 5th of November, the actual night, bonfire night itself, uh, the plan didn't go to action. So Lord Monteagle, who was one of the lords who was due to be sitting in James's Parliament on the 5th of November, was also the brother-in-law of Francis Tresham, which is why I mentioned his name. So as the 5th of November approached, Lord Monteagle received an anonymous letter, which, as Fawkes would confess to under torture, was written by, or rather attributed to, Francis Tresham, who'd warned his brother-in-law not to attend Parliament on the 5th of November as... <clears throat> as the English political establishment would receive a, quote, terrible blow. Now, sensing this danger, Monteagle alerted the government, but it was decided amongst the government that they wanted to catch the plotters red-handed, so they decided not to search the vaults under the Parliament chamber until the night of the 4th of November, which was quite risky thinking about it, thinking that, oh, well, they must be in there somehow, waiting a day before the Parliament was due to open, but it worked. So at approximately 11pm on the 4th of November, the search party entered the rented cellar and it was a man who was a justice of the peace, a guy called Sir Thomas Knivet, or Knivet who discovered a man guarding 36 barrels of gunpowder, a pile of firewood and a fuse, and that man was, of course, Guy Fawkes. So the aftermath, what happens then? So Guy Fawkes was immediately arrested and questioned under the use of torture including, as you'll see on your screen now, the infamous rack, which is where they were laid on it, and there were uh, little pulley systems on it where they would stretch the body, so your muscles would tear and think awful sort of thing, but he confessed under torture uh, the names of his co-conspirators, and all 13 of them were eventually tracked down and all received or were set to receive the same punishment that was to be hung, drawn and quartered. Now, a record from the trial noted that each of them were to be drawn backwards from prison by a horsetail, hanged, cut down while still alive, and a quote was, have his privy parts cut off and burned before his face, as being unworthily begotten and being unfit to leave any generation after him, his bowels and inlaid parts taken out and burnt, after to have his head cut off. And then, and only then, were their bodies to be quartered. Now, Fawkes' trial was set for the 31st of January 1606, along with Robert Keyes, Ambrose Rookwood and Thomas Wintour. Now, Fawkes had been drawn, so he was battered and bruised all over, as you can imagine, being drawn from the prison cell up to the gallows. But on his way up the scaffold to the gallows, he jumped from a ladder and he broke his neck and died. So he died a suicide, Fawkes. Um, now, his body was never quartered, like cut open and left to feed the birds and stuff, but it was still chopped up into four different pieces and sent to the four corners of the kingdom as a warning to other potential traitors. So you can imagine the horrific scenes that would have depicted, but people turned up in droves to see it. It was a public spectacle in those days, which you couldn't imagine seeing that now, could you? Certainly wouldn't want to, I think, for the most part. So what legacy does it leave behind? So surprisingly, the immediate political consequences weren't actually massive. There were tough new laws that were rushed through Parliament against Catholicism, but there was no widespread persecution of Catholics in England, and the peace with Catholic Spain actually held out. 
but the longer term consequences were more serious though. So anti-Catholic feeling directly from the gunpowder plot played into the hands of anti-Catholic propaganda in the later 17th century in England. And if you've seen my podcast on the 30 Years War, which kicked off in 1648, there's a lot of anti-Catholic feeling there, even from England. So that can, to an extent, be attributed to the gunpowder plot. Um, now, if the pot hadn't been betrayed, I know it's all ifs and buts and stuff, but it would have been the most serious terrorist attack of the 17th century without question. And it wouldn't have just blown up Parliament, the amount of gunpowder they had. It would have blown up the entire centre of Westminster. Now, Ronald Hutton argues that the appropriate comparison is not with the terrorist attacks in 9-11, but with the impact of the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, which is the extent of damage it would have caused, which is incredible, really. Now, obviously, the most famous legacy of the gunpowder plot is Guy Fawkes Night, which, like I said earlier, is also known as Bonfire Night or Fireworks Night. And that was actually established as a holiday by Parliament in 1606, the year after. And it's been celebrated just about every year ever since, maybe bar for a few years in the war. Second World War, that is. Now, it's celebrated in Britain on the 5th of November every year, which will be tonight. So when this video is up, hope everyone has a good one if you're celebrating it, letting off some fireworks and safely, of course, and having bonfires, obviously, safely. And occasionally, more of an archaic thing now, people don't really do it these days, but sometimes effigies of Guy Fawkes are burned on the bonfires, while fireworks are let off to symbolise the explosions that would have occurred had the plot has not been discovered. So that was just a short one there on Bonfire Night. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, hopefully there'll be another one soon. So thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Take care.